so glad you could join us for mornings at YCVC today. We want to thank you for being a part of our online family and we hope that this message encourages you, blesses you and helps you grow in your walk with him. So let's get into the word. Well, um, yeah, like I said, uh, married to Tracy, two adult daughters, two seven-year-old Cocker Spaniels, Banjo and Gus, uh, living in the Blue Mountains uh, at Blacksland. Um, although I'm located in Canberra during the week and I get to head home most weekends. Uh, I am what uh, the uh, ADF call MWOD. Uh, is there anybody else who's sort of served in Army, Navy, Air Force in the congregation today? MWOD is uh, Married Without Dependents. Uh, there are always a lot of acronyms in the, in the military, uh, everywhere you turn. In fact, uh, they say that the RAAF stands for the Royal uh, Australian Acronym Factory. Uh, <laughs> There are always lots and lots of acronyms in what we do. Um, I work normally as a chaplain. Uh, I'm based in Russell in Canberra. And um, yeah, what's the normal day for a chaplain? We're going to throw up some pictures of, uh, of what happens in chaplaincy. Well, for most people, um, probably for you, I don't know, what, what, what is a normal day? Normal days sort of seem to shift all over the place, don't they? A normal day for me uh, can be anything from kind of looking after somebody who has some mental health issues, visiting units just to sort of keep morale up and to see what's happening on the ground wherever we go. Or it can be like the situation that I was confronted with a couple of weeks ago when I was driving home uh, back to Canberra from um, uh, the Blue Mountains and I had a call from a group captain who said, uh, Padre, we need to see you first thing in the morning uh, because there's been an accident in our unit. Uh, a member of that particular unit had uh, been at a ball in Canberra the night before and uh, had then uh, said farewell to everybody. Uh, everything was perfectly fine. Went off to do some rock climbing on the south coast of uh, New South Wales and was tragically killed. And uh, the, the unit actually hadn't been given that information. And so uh, it was my job and another chaplain's job to be there to sort of comfort and to give people some hope and some encouragement uh, as we went through all of that. Um, I lead a team of three chaplains, uh, including myself. Uh, we have 2,400 Air Force members in Canberra who are spread out all over the place, I can assure you. And uh, as you would know from Canberra, it's a very sort of disparate place. Uh, and we, we visit and we catch up with people fairly regularly. Uh, a lot of my work involves uh, drinking coffee with people, which is great because I love coffee. And uh, it's, it's great just to connect with people. It was interesting what Pete was saying about the idea of community. Uh, it's been said to me that uh, a meal is better with the, uh, by the company of the people that you eat it with. So it really doesn't matter what you're eating, it's just really great to be with people and that's why community is so, uh, so critical. Uh, life gets pretty busy for me. Uh, we not only look after our 2400 uh, Air Force members, but we look after a whole bunch of Navy guys uh, and girls and Army people as well. So really, wherever we go and we meet up with members, that's what we do and that's where we're needed. Uh, so life gets pretty busy. Uh, most weekends I try and get home to uh, the Blue Mountains. I've just come away from two weeks of leave, which has been great. So I spent a week in uh, Darwin, uh, where it's much, much warmer than it is in Yass and Canberra, and uh, spent the last week in the Blue Mountains trying to get some chores done, which was a little difficult with the hand. Um, I say to people that living away uh, from your partner, from uh, your primary kind of context is, is difficult. Uh, it is, and I'd appreciate your prayer. It's a, it's a tough time. It's, it's difficult to do that. Um, living away from Tracy is, is hard, uh, but we're making it work, uh, mostly, I have to say. Um, but I will also say that living this way is not uncommon for people in the ADF. 
Uh, a lot of people have to make a choice to do this, uh, simply because it's too difficult to uproot your family and to drag them off to another state or another base or, or wherever. And so we make the choice to live in another place and sort of commute or only get home sort of six or seven times a year, something like that. So it can be a bit tricky. So it's hard for people serving in the ADF and they certainly need our love, our support, our gratitude and our prayers as well. Um, it's also important to understand that for, certainly for chaplains, uh, we make choices to sort of live that way and to incarnate ourselves, as it were, in the same way that everybody else does. So whilst w while we have members who are living MWID, who are, who are unaccompanied from their partners, we make a choice to live that way because we get to understand what it is that they're going through. And that's very important for us as Christians, I think, to understand what the lives of those around us are. Um, it's, it's one of the things that we understand about the incarnation, that Jesus came to, not, not that he didn't understand what it was, but he, he kind of gets where we're at. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit later on as we go through this message uh, from Hebrews, talking about finishing our lives well. Uh, so for us as chaplains, we pretty much do everything that everybody else does. Uh, we wear a uniform, uh, we have to do pre-fitness tests, which is really a massive drag, having to do push-ups and sit-ups and run 2.4 kilometres, but anyhow, you've just got to do that. Um, and uh, we have to do weapons stuff, which I, I really suck at, like I, I just can't shoot at all. Uh, but we have to do that stuff because we're, we're, just, we're part of the military and that's where we are. So we're incarnational in that sense. Um, so enough about chaplaincy. Um, I'm happy to chat over a cup of tea, a cup of coffee after the service. That's fine. Um, but allow me to pray uh, and uh, just uh, turn to the scripture that we're going to look at this morning. So, Father, as we just open your word and, and think a little bit more about what it means to finish well, uh, help us to, to just think about our own context, where we're at and our own lives and uh, what we've experienced, particularly in these last couple of years with COVID and uh, just all of the, the, the difficulties that have come our way. And I pray particularly for those who are online who maybe are just having a bit of a tricky time um, re-engaging with church life and, and community. I just pray that perhaps some of these things that uh, we're able to talk about today would be helpful for each and every one of us. And I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well... The image that's on the screen, I hope we're going to get an image on the screen which is going to have a Paralympian. The image on the screen is David Brown. Uh, he is the fastest person in the world uh, who is a Paralympian. He's legally blind and uh, he is the world record holder for the 100 metres. Uh, he uh, completed that time in 10.92 seconds, which is really, really fast. Does anybody know who the world record holder in, as an able-bodied athlete is? Big, big loud voices, you can shout and... What was it? I, heard? I think I heard it. Usain Bolt, yeah, yeah. Anybody know, anybody know what the world record time is? It's really fast, 9.58 seconds. So our, our Paralympian here is not so far away from him and he runs with a guide. And I want you to notice two things on the slide that, that are there. If you look in the background of the slide, there's a, there's a crowd that's there. And there's a crowd that would be encouraging him and cheering him on as he runs. And alongside him, he has a guide who's connected to him, which is really interesting in that context of community, Pete. The, the, the connection that is there that helps him to sort of 
run straight and stay in his lane and all of that. And they're, they're two things that we kind of kind of look at this morning, the idea of connection and being with one another, our need for one another, if we are going to finish the race well. I have entitled this morning's message, uh, Finishing Well, because I don't know how many of you know this, but life kind of feels like a race, doesn't it? At times, and, and you know, talking this morning about mums getting ready and dads getting ready to get kids back to school, um, you know, that's definitely going to be a race tomorrow morning for sure, no doubt about that. But it's not so much a 100 metre race, is it? Or a 200 metre race. It's a, it just feels like a marathon. And it's just really hard and it's really tough and it's really, really tiring. And I imagine that for many of us, if you're anything like me, the last couple of years have really felt like a marathon. You can say amen if you agree with me, because it, it just has felt flipping hard, hasn't it? Just been a real drag. And it feels like a marathon that really just doesn't even have an ending. It's like we're still in the middle of it. The figures that came out for COVID just uh, this morning as I, as I was getting ready to come to church are just really, really scary. And all of that stuff can really just drag on us and, and make life a little bit difficult. So maybe for you this morning, as we're sort of in the middle of this race, maybe it, it feels like a marathon, maybe you're a bit tired. Maybe you're like me, and over the last couple of years, you've, you've experienced that kind of drag, that weight, that disenchantment, that sort of dispiriting thing that goes on as you're in the middle of the race, because life can be like a race, and it can be really, really hard. I want to tell you this morning, I, I totally get it. I totally understand what that is like. The last two years for me, personally, have been absolutely exhausting. Uh, I've lived in four different states. I've been posted all around the country, here, there and everywhere. Uh, I was saying to some of the ladies before church this morning, uh, at the end of 2020, Tracy was diagnosed with bowel cancer. Uh, I was posted to Victoria. The borders were shut. I couldn't get home. Uh, her treatment was beginning. It was just a nightmare. Uh, praise God, she had surgery in 2021 and that went really, really well. And she went through six months of brutal chemotherapy, sorry girls, <laughs> uh, and, uh, it, it's, but it's gone really, really well. But there's been a whole bunch of things that have been part of our lives. COVID has been in all of that. And every, you know, I'm not on my own. I'm sure that you know, if, if we sat down over a cup of tea, we could probably hear similar sorts of stories. So the last couple of years have been really, really hard. And it raises the question, or at least it's raised the question for me, I wonder if actually I'm finishing all that well. I wonder if I have much left in my tank to be able to sort of, you know, make it to the finish line. And I, I, I imagine that you're probably feeling pretty much like I do. Uh, personally for me, uh, even in this last couple of weeks, even though I've been on leave, I've, I've been a bit cranky. Um, I've sort of bitten people's heads off. I've been tired. I've been trying to catch up with sleep. And generally I've been a bit of a pain in the neck. And so as I was sort of trying to get ready and Nick had, had asked me to come and, and preach, I was thinking to myself, yeah, this is a really, really great message to be able to share, but it doesn't sound particularly encouraging yet, does it? So, but, it's, but it's probably something that we can all relate to, hey? Am I, am I right? Yeah. It's probably something that we can relate to in that we want to finish the race well, but we just don't feel like we've got the energy to be able to do it. So I guess this morning, uh, you know, we're probably all on a bit of a journey about how we're actually going to finish this race well. We're encouraged by the scriptures to do it. When we look to Jesus and the scriptures encourage us to look to him, but it's just so hard. So how actually are we going to finish the race well? 
And I want to just look at three simple points. So, you know, pretty much your, your standard Baptist pastor's kind of message here. Three, one, two, three, here we go, uh, to, to, to get us through. And I want to look at three points, and these are the three points. Firstly, Jesus has run the race. He has run the race. He's run the race before us. So he knows what it's like. He gets it. That's the whole idea of, of this idea of incarnation, of being, of Jesus being where we're at. He gets it. He knows what it's like. That's the first point. The second point is that we don't run the race alone. The idea that Pete was talking about, about community and you know, being together and doing stuff together, that's so critical. We just need people alongside us. You know, the, the guide that's running with, um, with David Brown, he's there. He's alongside him. He's walking with him, running with him. But we have someone who runs with us all the time. His name's Holy Spirit. And we have one another and we, we, we need to be there for one another. And the third line is perhaps not so encouraging, particularly if you're a little bit older, and that is that the finish line is in sight. And if you're younger, you might be thinking, well, I hope it's not in sight yet, uh, but it, we'll, we'll see what I mean when I talk about the finishing line being in sight. Um, so let's look at the first point. Logically enough, you know, we'll go points one, two, and three. Uh, so the first point is that Jesus has run the race. I don't know about you, um, but I'm a bit of a chicken when it comes to sort of things that those exciting things, those really, you know, I don't want to be the first to do it. Anybody like that? Anybody chicken out and don't want to do it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, want to watch, you want to watch other people do it, don't you? You want to, you want to make sure it's safe to do it. If it's something fun and it doesn't kill you and the, or the person doing it doesn't get sort of broken in bits doing it, I'm all for doing it after that. But doing it first, no way. <laughs> I'm just a big fat chicken when it comes to all that sort of stuff. But I love what the book of Hebrews talks about. Because everywhere within this particular letter, the writer to the Hebrews, and we don't know who this writer is, some people speculate that it actually might have been a woman. And that's why they, don't, they haven't actually named and can't find out who this, this writer is. But the, whoever the writer to the Hebrews is, he's writing to a group of people who are probably in the same position that we are, very dispirited, disenchanted, down. They're being persecuted by the Roman Empire. There's all this stuff that's got, like, like, they are where a lot of us are at. And so this letter is really, really crucial for us as they went through these difficulties, go through these difficulties. And the writer to the Hebrews was keen to point out to them that Jesus had been exactly where they're at. He knows what it's like to be dispirited. He knows what it's like to be disenchanted. He knows what it's like to be down and depressed and lonely and feeling like he's forsaken. In fact, in, in Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 to 16, this is what the writer says. He says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathise with our weakness, who is unable to empathise with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. You see, Jesus gets it. He totally gets it. He... he, he he understands exactly what it is like. That is the beauty of the incarnation. Incarnation isn't just something you celebrate at Christmas time. It's not just about that. It's God. God taking on flesh 
and experiencing everything that we have ever experienced and much, 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 much more. We used to sing a song in the church that I was pastoring at, at, uh, in Sydney and it talked about, um, I'll never know how much it cost to see my sin upon that cross. So when we think of whatever it is that we're going through, and I'm not wanting to minimise whatever it is that you're going through, but whatever it is that we are going through, whether that's sickness or mental health or whatever, um, Jesus gets it and he, and, he, and he took all of that on himself. So much, much more. So he gets it. He truly gets it. He has run the race before. And it's because of that, it's because he understands it, that we can, we can feel confident in coming to him. And I, I love the word that's used in that scripture where it talks about confidence, having the confidence to come to him. I love what one of the other versions, one of the other versions says, we can boldly come to Jesus. I really like that. When it talks about coming boldly to Jesus, it's not talking about coming to Jesus in an arrogant kind of way, but it's, it's, it's talking about coming to Jesus because you're confident about him. You're unafraid to bring your stuff to him. You're unafraid to bring your doubts. You're unafraid to, to, to come to him and say, look, Jesus, I, I, I don't know if I'm really, I don't, I don't know if I can really do this anymore. I don't know if I can really be a Christian anymore. I, I've, I've been there. It's called the dark night of the soul. It's, it's, it's when you're, you're thinking, is this thing really working out? Is this for real? Am I, am I just making this stuff up or what? Jesus can take that. He can take those doubts. He can take those insecurities. He can take it when we can come to him in fear and with doubt and with all of that stuff. And he can handle it. And he receives us and embraces us in the middle of that. That's what, mean, that's what it means by coming to Jesus boldly with confidence because you trust in him and I want to challenge you this morning and those who are online have you trusted in him and I'm, this is you know I don't say this to condemn in any way because you know my trust levels are you know up and down and all over the place often so I know I know what that's like too but have you put your trust in him because when you put your trust in him you have someone to be able to bring this stuff to and if you've never put your trust in Jesus before I want to encourage you to do that because he's, he, the, you know, we sang it before, the Father's arms are open. He, he's ready to accept you and receive you. And if you've never put your trust in Jesus, I, I've been a Christian for 40 odd years and, and he's never let me down. I, I've let him down countless times, but he's never let me down. He's always been there for me and he continues to be, for me, be there for me and he's going to carry me and help me to cross across that finish line. Amen. And I hope that, that's, that, that that can be yours today too. And if you've never done that, I want to encourage you to do that. Maybe you can find somebody within the church you can, you can talk to about that. I'd be happy to talk with you about that over a couple, uh, a little bit later. But all you need to do is turn to him. Jesus has run the race. He understands our pain and he understands the difficulties of our life. The second point I want to make about running the race is that we don't run the race alone. Um, I am no athlete. You can tell I'm no athlete. you just got to look at me and tell, to tell I'm no athlete. But one of the things that you frequently hear from elite sports people is the, the role of the crowd. Hey, 
Now, that the, the crowd can really inspire you and can, can lift you. And, you know, when you're coming around that last turn, maybe, and you hear the crowd and, you, you know, you, you, you're maybe a little bit behind and the crowd is roaring for you. We've got the Commonwealth Games coming up in, in, in a few weeks. Can you imagine what it's going to be like? Yeah, yeah, uh, the, 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 the athletes are going to be running there and the, the crowd is going to be behind them. It's going to be a significant advantage for, for team, team UK. Uh, but the crowd is just there willing you to, cheering you and willing you to win and just encouraging you all the way. Can you imagine what it's like for an athlete like David Brown who has no sight and he's just hearing the crowd, hearing the crowd cheering him on, wanting him to, to do the best that he can. And I think that that's the idea that the writer to the Hebrews is trying to get across to us too. He's trying to say there's a crowd of witnesses that are around us. In the scripture reading that we read from Hebrews 12, thank you Jeanette, in the scripture reading we read this morning, it was talking about we have this crowd of great witnesses, people who have gone before, 50 years in, yes. Man, there's people who've gone before who, could, who, who through faith could see what could happen here. And, and you as a church get to see through faith what can happen in the future. There's this crowd of witnesses who are they're, they're just there for you. Some, and I don't fully know how that happens. Spiritually, you know, are they looking on from heaven? You know, how does that even work? But there's a crowd of witnesses who are there, willing us, wooing us to keep at it, yes, keep at it, keep at it, yes, church, keep doing what you're doing. I know, they know it's hard. Everybody who's gone before knows it's hard. It's always been hard, but they're encouraging us and cheering us on. And the great encouragement out of out of all of this is that we're not meant to do this race alone. We do it in community. We do it with one another. We need one another. Read throughout scripture and you'll find that that's a constant refrain throughout scripture, that we do life together. We can't do it on our own. We intrinsically know it, don't we? You know, we, we know we need one another. Well, like we get that. Two years of COVID's taught it, COVID taught us that. When we're locked down and away from one another, we, we, we kind of knew that we needed one another. But so often we just default back to that kind of individualistic thing. We just sort of flip this switch and we end up just on our own, trying to do life on our own. How many of you know it just doesn't work? We just need one another. And I wonder if these last two years have maybe finally taught us how much we need one another. I've made some intentional steps this year, particularly as I'm, I'm separated again from Tracy to connect with others because I feel like over the last little while I've been drifting a, a, a little bit away, a little bit away from people, a little bit away from God, and I've just made some intentional steps to kind of put some people in my life and some things in my life that are going to help me in my walk with God and in my connection with other people. The people that I've connected with and the people that I've, I've, I've invited into my life are people who I love and who I trust. They know Dave Deal, warts and all. They are prepared to tell me when I'm acting like a bit of a twit. They are prepared to tell me that they love me. And, and, and they only get permission to tell me that I'm acting like a twit because they love me. And it's important to have those kind of people in our lives. Um, one of my, uh, uh, my mentor used to say that it's important to have an unreasonable friend. What do I mean by an unreasonable friend? Someone who will tell you that you're acting like a twit when you are acting like a twit. But they can only be an unreasonable friend, paradoxically, because they're a reasonable friend. Do you follow? 
Someone who loves you and cares for you and cares so much that they don't want to see you making a mess of your life. I wonder if you could have that kind of person in your life. Do you have that kind of person in your life? They're so powerful to have in our lives and I believe God places them there and they're out there but we've got to kind of open up our eyes and you know, just, just look a little bit harder to try to find that person. Who could that person be for you? Someone you can meet up for with a coffee, lots of great coffee shops in town, I think. And you know, all, all of that is around and about us. You know, we just need to look for those kind of people to have in our lives. Is there someone who could maybe bring a little bit of new thinking into your life? Are you stuck in a little bit of a rut and you, know, you need someone to kind of encourage you in the middle of all of that? Look for someone who's an encourager, someone who wants you to succeed, somebody who wants the best for you, someone who will be alongside you when the going gets tough. We can't do this race without the help of other people. But we also need to recognise that as followers of Jesus Christ, we have the indwelling Holy Spirit, that come alongside of person, that counsellor, that advocate, that comforter who is there for us. He is there to lead us and to guide us in the race that we're on. In John chapter 14, verses 15 to 17, Jesus said this, If you love me, keep my commands. He wasn't saying that in some, some kind of condemning sort of way. He's saying it just follows. If you love Jesus, you're gonna, it, it'll, it'll happen. You, you might stumble, fall, muck up, fall over. You know, that, that, that's definitely going to happen. We all know that. But if you love me, you're going to keep my commands. And I will ask the Father... And he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him or knows him. But you know him. You know him. You sense him. You, you feel his presence. You know him for he lives in you and he will be in you. We don't run this race alone. I love the image. I, I, I purposely selected this image of, of David Brown, trying to sort of get this image of someone running alongside someone, someone who was there, helping, leading, encouraging, guiding. The guide is with him. I don't even know what the guide's name is. But he's there and he's crucial to David Brown's success. We know the Holy Spirit. He is with us. This person, this indwelling comforter is with us. He's within you and he's within me if we put our trust in Jesus. Now, I, I, I get it that sometimes it's hard to tell that he's there. Even as I was preparing this message last week, I was thinking, I was thinking Holy Spirit, I, I, I don't even really feel that you're there. What, what, what is happening? I, you know, I, and, and just at that moment when I was sort of crying out to him, he says, I, I know you don't feel it. I get that, because there's been a lot of things that have been happening in your life. I get that. But I'm here. I'm here. Sometimes we need to sort of move from our feelings to more of a knowledge place. Anybody say amen to that? I had the privilege of, of being able to um, do the, a wedding for my, uh, my oldest daughter, Sheridan, back in March. Uh, it was a, a glorious day. And at this particular time, I'm thinking to myself, well, like, like Tracy walked her down the aisle, which was just amazing, because you know, here's this girl who'd been really, really sick, and here she is having the honour and privilege of walking her daughter down the aisle. 
And uh, here I am as the, the pastor father um, with the privilege of marrying her. And I'm thinking, what do, I, what do I say to my daughter? I thought, you know what, I'm just going to say the same thing that I've said to them for the last 30 odd years. And, and that is don't rely on your feelings. So I said this to her and her husband, James. I said, you know, there, there are going to be times when, you know, it's a beautiful day today and you're full of all your emotions and all of that's happening and it's really, really lovely and, and, and everything like that. But there are, going to be, there are going to be moments when you're not going to feel like that at all. I mean, if, if you've been married for any point of time, you're gonna, there are, you, know, you know what I'm talking about. There are moments when you would cheerfully and gleefully strangle your partner. Uh, no, 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 don't look to your left, don't look to your right, just look straight ahead at the preacher today. Because you're all going through guilt right now. But, but you don't do that, do you? Well, I hope you don't. Uh, but, you know, we, we, we move beyond the way that we feel because we've made a commitment and we love the person that we're with. And I think it's the same in our relationship with God. And so, you know, we just, sometimes we don't, we don't feel he's there, but we know it. We know it intellectually and, and at some deep level in our gut, we know he's there. And it's the same with the Holy Spirit, our God. We know he's there. You know, Jesus has promised that he will be there. And I was saying that to God the other day and he just said, look, I, I know you don't feel it, but, you know, just press on. Finish the race. Do what you've got to do. Finish this message. You've got to preach it. Yes. And, you know, just, I, I, I'm there. I'm with you. And he's with you. He's with you too. We don't run this race alone. We have one another. And we have the power and the presence of the indwelling Holy Spirit to encourage us. Might not be all that flashy. Might not be all that, you know, gee whiz wow. But we, we'll, we'll know it at some point of time. I like to say to people, if you just get honest with God and say, well, you know, I, I heard the, the preacher this morning banging on about this stuff, um, but, you know, I'm, I'm just not really sure that you're there, God. Reach out to him, cry out to him. I just have this feeling that he will just minister to you in the way that you need. We have one another as well. Last point. Whew. Finish line is in sight. Finish line is in sight. Some of you who are a bit younger are thinking, man, I hope not. You know, like I'm 30-odd or I'm 22 or I'm 11 or whatever it is. I, I hope the finish line is not in sight. And those of you who are a little bit older, brother, we're probably saying, yeah, the finish line is you know, getting a bit closer. You know, it's getting, getting just a little bit closer. But I want to make this simple point, uh, and that is the point that the writer makes in the passage that we've been looking at. And that is that no matter where we're at in life, whether we're younger or older, whether we're kind of closer to that finish line or whatever, we are in a race. And when you're in a race, there's a finish line. Amen? There's a finish line, and we've got to get to the finish line because we're in the race. Jesus has run the race before us, and he has crossed the finish line. He's waiting for us. He's waiting to welcome us with his open arms. But we've still got to run the race, and we've still got to finish the race. Amen? We've got to do that. So how do you want to finish the race? That's my question for you as we close this morning. How do you want to finish the race? In my work in the Air Force, I deal with a lot of people who have some very complicated lives. They have all sorts of issues that are going on for them. The work they do serving our nation tends to complicate their lives for sure. And they have a lot of issues that they carry around. In that sense, they're no different to any of us. We have a lot of issues that we carry around. And if we're truly honest, we'll admit it too. 
Earlier this year when I was posted to Canberra, um, my team and I were chatting about my approach to ministry and one of my colleagues mentioned that he loves, to do, he loves the joy of doing a wedding. I recently got to do a wedding at HMAS Watson uh, in Sydney overlooking South Head. Beautiful spot. The bride and the groom looked fantastic. He was wearing a dress uniform. I was wearing it. Yeah, I've got to say I look pretty schmick myself. Um, but there we were. Anyhow, I, I was talking about th this idea and, and I said, look, I really love doing funerals and they're looking at me like, you're weird. <laughs> like, like, how weird is that? And I said, no, 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 no. I said, bear with me. I said, there is nothing like being in a church or being in a chapel and pointing to a casket to, to, to get people's attention and to say, you know what? This, this is not a forever gig. Like, you know, life is pretty temporal. And one day, guys, that's us. We'll be where old mate is. There's nothing like that to focus your attention. Just a couple of weeks ago, I was dealing with this, uh, with this unit in Canberra, as I said uh, in, in my introduction. They had been to a, a, an army ball on the, um, on the Saturday night, big flashy gala affair where everybody looked a million bucks. And uh, this particular member, who was a, a member of the British Army, actually, and was over here seconded to work with this particular unit, he went rock climbing on the Sunday afternoon, and they'd all said goodbye to him at sort of 11, 12 o'clock, and he went to the south coast of New South Wales and was rock climbing and tragically fell to his death. And everybody was just, wow, amazing. Like, just how fra the, the frailty of life, eh? So my question, and it, can, it kind of reminds us that irrespective of whether the, the, the finish line is near or far, there is a finish line. And it reminds us about how we're actually going to live our life. In 1 Corinthians uh, verses 9 uh, through, uh, sorry, chapter 9, verses 24 to 27, this is what Paul said. He said, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run, this is Paul speaking, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. The Apostle Paul had this grand vision for his life, didn't he? He said, I've fought the good fight and I've run the race. He, he said all of that. And he was convinced that he had done that. You know, I'd like to be convinced too. I'd like to be convinced that I've fought the good fight and that I've run the race, but quite honestly, there are times when I just wonder whether I have. I wonder how I'm doing in my life. I wonder you know, how I am finishing the race. I, I just, those questions come up for me. But as I think about it, I, I, I just think about how I'm going to finish my race. I don't want to be cruel. I don't want to be selfish. I don't want to be, a, I don't, I don't want to be this careless person where I'm not caring for people, I'm not loving people. and I'm, I want to be less bitter. You know, there's some goals I have for these last few years of my life. I want to make a mark in the lives of those who are around me. I want whatever time I have left to actually matter and to impact the people who are around me. I want to finish this race well. What about you? Is that your goal too, just to finish well? You know, to bring up your kids well, to 
let go of the anger and the bitterness and the, the lack of forgiveness that so often just gets in the way. The writer, the writer of the Hebrews said, the sin that so easily entangles us. Maybe it's time to kind of let go of all of that this morning. I don't know. Maybe it's time just to kind of drop some things that have been part of our life up until now and to consider how we might finish well. Amen? Let me pray for you. Father God, we, we are pilgrims on a journey and we just would say right at this point of time that we want to finish this race well. We don't quite know how we might do that except to look to you and to look to one another. I thank you for the opportunity this morning just to, I suppose, open my heart a little bit and talk a little bit about the, the, the journey that we're on. And I suspect, Lord, that many of us are on a similar kind of journey where there are things that have just been part of our lives that, well, we just don't want them to be part of our lives anymore. We want to finish well. So Holy Spirit, even as we just conclude today, don't let this opportunity pass by where we might be able to bring some things to you and just hand it over to you to enable us to, to run the race and to finish the, the race that you've set before us. We thank you, Jesus, that you've done that. You've accomplished that. And we thank you for what that's done for us and how that's enabled us to, to look to you. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. As you head back into your week, we want to encourage you to stay in His Word, stay in His love, and stay strong in your faith. Don't forget to keep up to date with what's happening via Facebook, Instagram, or via our website at ycbc.church. See you soon.